Welcome to Resilient Entrepreneurs, the podcast where we explore the powerful stories of business people from all walks of life and from around the world in the hopes that something they say will leave you a little richer in your business. In this episode, we're talking with Maureen Falvey, a leading corporate coach and trainer with the firm Strong Training and Coaching. She also co-authored the book, Peak Performance, Mindset Tools for Entrepreneurs. We've all heard the expression, and I've even said it, easier said than done. Well, Maureen doesn't buy that. She believes, do the thing and you will have the power. Let's all see what that's about. Welcome, Maureen. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Maureen, let's just jump right into this easier said than done thing. I'm famous for saying that. So tell us why you're not having any of that. (laughs) Uh, It comes from such an interesting place, actually. It comes from my family of therapists and my whole I was in advertising for many, many years, and my family, who are all therapists, all my sisters and my mom, would always say, when are you going to join the family business? And I would say, never, because it looked to me, and I say this lightly because they literally save lives every day, but it looked like you talk about stuff. (laughs) And what I'm interested in is making stuff happen and getting off of our excuses and moving into action not letting fear be the guide. I just don't know that we need to spend 20 years talking about something. I think that we try stuff and be willing to fail and we practice being courageous and cultivating confidence. But if we wait until we're ready, I don't know what that means. I think it's too long. I think it's too late. So I just started thinking about that. I'm like, is it easier said than done? I think it's easier done than said. That was a quote. Who did I steal that from? Thomas Edison? Oh, no, no, no. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, do the thing and you'll have the power. And so I was like, oh, yes, someone else feels the same way I do. But let's just start doing things um, and let's move into action instead of conversation. Okay, so if it's not easier said than done, how does one move into action away from fear? I believe it starts, and I see this with my clients all the time. It starts by making a courageous commitment to ourselves. Um, Athletes have performance statements. I can't exactly remember what Mia Hams was, but it's something about uh, at just the right moment, I light the match, I start the spark and boom. So it's a commitment that you make to yourself, no matter what. And no matter if fear comes up, no matter if somebody doubts you, no matter if you make a mistake, you tried something, you reached out, somebody said, no, thank you. What is the meaning you're going to give to that? Are you going to light the match and the spark and boom, go no matter what? Or do you fold up your cards, you go home, take your toys and you go home. So it starts with a commitment to ourselves. I think people have success when they say out loud to someone else what they want, what they're doing, because in doing so, we hold ourselves accountable. If I keep it to myself, I'm not really committed to anything. And there's a book that I think should be required reading for life. You think I'd recommend my own now? I will, but this is someone else's book. James Clear wrote a book called Atomic Habits. And I do think it should be required reading for life. He talks about congruence in there. And he says, when you say out loud to someone else, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm going to start this thing, or I'm going to light the match, light the spark, right? And you say that your brain starts to conspire on your behalf and it starts to do the thing and it makes things happen. So I want us to say it out loud to someone else. I want us to buy into this congruence and I want to make it our must no matter what, no matter whether there's fear or of course, there's going to be failure. You're a brave entrepreneur. Of course, you're going to try some things and some won't work and some will. I like what you said right there. The The accountability part, I think, is really key. And I think that's a big part in like your first action step is just to say it out loud. 
know, we talk to entrepreneurs who don't want to tell anybody about their idea or they're afraid they say it, that somebody will steal it or this will happen. There's that fear a lot too. So they don't say it out loud. Um, they don't get on social media and say, I'm going to do this thing. And, and that brings a lot of accountability if you've got people following you. So what are some other ways to really sort of, I don't know, maybe have more easier entry, like more bite-sized pieces to get into the accountability. I think having a coach is probably one of them. I don't think we're meant to do this work of life or work or entrepreneurialism alone. We're meant to do it together. I mean, in Maslow's hierarchy, belonging is pretty fundamental and being a part of things. I think it also builds our confidence when we do things together. But you just said it brilliantly. We're not biting off this big thing one inspired action at a time we reach success and when it feels too big we don't go we can't move our brains are hardwired it's always seeking where's the threat what's scary what's too big and so we want to make it as small and as tiny as possible and part of the reason for that is once you do the small thing and i'll give an example because a friend of mine does this really well who's a coach but once you do the small thing and you have some success around that the confidence builds and now I'm ready to bite off something a little bigger. So this friend I'm speaking of, she's a uh, productivity and time management coach. When you're facing down the barrel of something you have to write or something you have to do that seems hard with her client, she says, I just want you to open up your computer and I want you to type the first word and then I want you to shut it. Don't do anything else. And it's kind of like that congruence thing. Now I started moving. Now I'm like, wait a minute. I kind of want to open it again and put the second word. Do the hardest thing, give it a title, give it a tiny thing, right? Because what we end up doing is waste so much time on procrastination, excuses, and fear. And she's closing that gap as well. She's closing that gap between nonsense and conversation and just doing a thing because in between there is a bunch of unproductive stuff. So you do the thing, one small step, one inspired action at a time. Yeah, I, I tend to find I can be really productively unproductive. So when there's that thing that I don't want to do, say, for example, writing a blog or something, yeah. I'll clean my house, I'll do something with the kids, I'll go decide to bake something, I will go find like, lots of other things to do. Because if I'm not busy, I feel lazy. And I don't like that feeling. And it's just weighing on me. But if I can kind of busy myself, I can kind of still put off the thing I, I should be doing, but don't really want to do. But I like that. And I've heard um, somebody else say, just commit to going to the gym, just going there. You don't have to do anything. Just go get yeah, into the gym, that, yeah. walk in, say hello, whatever, sign the thing and then walk out. You don't even have to do the gym, but inevitably you're going to go and then you're going to actually. So that's yeah. what happens. But you don't have to commit to the whole thing because the big whole thing feels overwhelming, scary. Yeah. Um, you're talking about transformation, Maureen, and I'm interested to know for you personally, what lights you up when you're working with uh, clients and you see transformation? Which part, what is it about the transformation? And explain to us what they experience. I think sometimes even when I hear the word transformation, we think it's this thing that happens to us. It's actually something we get to make happen. I want people to really get that they're empowered in a few different areas of transformation that I see. When I see people light up, it lights me up. It's usually in two areas and it's a choice, right? It's not some big thing. We're not waiting for the universe to like lay out the red carpet. It's a choice. And the first one is the hardest one. If you think about, uh, not to get all crystal-y, but like energy levels, there are seven that have been identified. 
the lowest one is the hardest one to shift. If you imagine an apartment building, it's the basement. And the basement energy is things happen to me. This idea will never get off the ground. My business will never be successful. No one will ever buy what I'm selling. It's very heavy. When you can shift that into, I'm going to make this happen, right? Things don't happen to me. They happen for me, one choice at a time. So it's the hardest one to shift, but that's when we can start to play ball. You can't do it until then, right? But now we're starting to talk about possibility and empowerment and what I can decide. I'm not waiting for someone to save me or come start my business. If not me, who? So that's the first magical moment that is so exciting to see. The second one further in the journey, because fear comes in, right? People say, I'm going to fail. And what people think of me is believing in ourselves, no matter what. We all have funky days. Uh, we all have imposter syndrome. We all have those days where we're like, oh, I'm not good enough. In fact, after my year in uh, my 25 years in marketing and advertising, I went to get my coaching certification. It's so interesting. And the, the facilitator said, I want you all to get out a big piece of foam core and a thick marker and write on there your gremlin, that area of your brain that tells you you're garbage. And we all kind of like wrote it down, hiding, right? No one else said this horrible thing. I'm sure they didn't. And then he asked us to lift the foam core and every, everyone's bored said the same thing. I'm not good enough. And it's this, I, I just don't want anyone to be a card carrying member of that club. I get it. I carry it around sometimes, but you're always one choice away from ripping that thing up and putting something different on your sign. Maybe it's even just this, I'm not good enough yet, or I can't wait to be better at this thing. No one ever arrives at confidence is my point. The other shift is cultivating it, believing in ourselves, being willing to try stuff. And it's all steeped in getting that we're not perfect. Nobody is. If you're chasing that, you're gonna be so tired so fast. But if especially for resilient entrepreneurs, we can practice progress, not perfection. Little tiny step, little tiny step. This worked. I'm going to keep doing that. That didn't. I'm going to you just stay curious and keep following the successes and don't give so much meaning to when you fell on your face other than to look at the learning and say, how do I keep going? So those are the transformations that I love from the basement to the first floor <laughs> of I get to make things happen and the shift from fear and worry and whatever into believing in myself, uh, no matter what. If any of you out there, if you have this spark that says you have something you want to give, a business you want to start, you want to get something off the ground, can you trust that? It's a voice you have that someone else doesn't. Can you trust that, right? That may be your gift. And if you say fear is in the way, or I'm not good enough, or it's not perfect yet, someone doesn't get what you have to offer. And that's a bummer. That is a massive bummer. That's the mindset I like. When you switch from all about me and I've got to build this thing and I've got to create this thing and I need to do this to other people need this thing and I've got to get it to them because I know that it's going to help be helpful in some way. You switch from into a service mindset. It makes everything easier. Mm -hmm. And then it, you, you want to take the action because you realize it's for other people. You get out of your own way a little bit. Yes, and out of your own head. And when you start to do that, then you're more willing to share with others. Like I notice with a lot of entrepreneurs just starting or people that come in and they want to coach and I say, well, who have you shared? With whom have you shared this new thing that you want to give to the world? And they say, well, nobody. And I say, oh my God. We, or they'll do cold calling, which I don't know what the return on that is 95. I don't even know. We do less than 1%, right? Versus saying there are people who know you 
who believe in you, who've already bought into that. If you want to share and you want to help, go to those people. Who are your POIs, your people of influence? People want to buy, I hate that word, but from people that they know, with whom they have something in common. So we tap into our resource. And we, for some reason, same reason we've been talking about, we get shy about asking for help or asking for a recommendation or a referral. So that's why I say that that transformation of believing in ourselves, of course you're going to reach out to your network and your community because you have something to give and you can give it to more people, the more you'll share what that thing is, the more people you'll share it with. I wonder where that shyness comes from. I wonder what that is because even non-shy people will have exactly what you just described when they're embarking on a new venture and they want to tell their inner circle, but actually... They're in a circle of the last people they want to tell because there's some sense of, I wouldn't call it shame, but it is this shyness of, is it about acceptance? Is, what, what do you think's behind that? Because you'd mentioned earlier, not to wrap too many questions into one, but you had mentioned earlier about how we slip into darkness so easily. And mm. I wonder if that's something there. I think it is kind of shame. I think it's the sign that says I'm not good enough and that God forbid someone plays that back to us. What if it's true? But I do this in coaching a lot. In the law of polarity, the opposite must also be true. What if it's not true? What if your idea is brilliant? What if someone's excited? And then how much meaning are we? The person who said it's not, are you going to fold up your business because of that? <laughs> Lots of people had challenges when they started that wonderful thing. Who's in charge here, them or you? Who gets to decide? And so I do. I was just saying, and often we tell friends and family members first, and they might be the first ones to be like, oh, do you think that's a good idea? I'm not sure. They want to keep you safe, right? It's like a natural, th that seems risky. Maybe that's going to be a bad thing, or you're going to give up your desk job to go do this thing. That sounds scary. Yeah. They're not your target market. There's a like huge percent chance they're not your target market. And your target market is out there going, where's this thing I need? I'm looking for it. And it yeah. doesn't exist yet and you've got it, but you're talking to the wrong people. So you got to yeah. talk to the right people and tell yeah. them and then yes. worry about the response. Yeah, that's a great point. That's such a great point, Laura. They may, they're not your target. And they also are coming from two unhelpful places. <laughs> fear. Don't put your fear on me. And frankly, love. They care about you. They, because they care about you, want to also keep you safe. Well, your brain's already hardwired. We don't need more of that. I share this story a lot because it's powerful. Another friend of mine is a fear coach and that's all she does is she coaches people on fear on wow. everything that we're talking about here. How do you be scared and do it anyway? And she's Spanish and she was interviewing this bullfighter in Spain on the topic of fear whose father was gored to death in the ring. And she said, talk to us about fear. And he said, oh my God, I don't fight it. If I go into that ring and I have no fear, I'll die. And if I go into that ring and I have too much fear, same thing. So I do the craziest thing. <laughs> it's kind of like Brene Brown when she says, name it to tame it. He said, I just notice it. Sometimes I even talk to it. I say, hi, fear. I see you're here to, to help me. Thank you. I'm going to take just as much as I need, meaning adrenaline, to go into the ring and do what I need to do. And I'm going to say no thanks to the rest. How much fear serves you? What do you want to say no thanks to? When you can have that kind of a dialogue with it, just get that it's your brain. Your brain is seeking all day long, where are the threats, where are the threats, where are the threats? And if you buy into that, you're gonna play small really fast, which is also a choice. If you decide to play small, I have a few friends who are very, very smart and they're in industries 
and they're making, it's not this about money, have as much money as they probably could make. They have decided to play it small because they're freaking scared. All right, I can honor that, kind of. Um, right, but wh how, what kind of game do you want to play? What kind of game do you want to play? And if fear is out in front, right, or what other people think of you is in front, or someone else decides that's a bad idea, you decide what you're going to follow. And you can always back to choice again. So I said, but I started this conversation talking about therapy. I don't know that it takes 20 years. It might, but it might just be, you might be one choice away from saying, I am going to say no thanks to them. That is not aligned with who I said I want to be and where I said I want to go. Thank you for your opinion. Appreciate that. I know it comes from love. No thanks. I was going to circle you back to that whole conversation about your family being a family of therapists. And here you are in an, a career that is really about talking and helping other people talk through a lot of their concerns. So what was your transition between advertising and coaching training? And how did that come about, Maureen? Advertising was amazing, wonderful, uh, dynamic. Every day was different to different people. And it's creative and it's business and it's psychology. And toward the end of my career, I just noticed this curiosity in me changed from those great ideas that my wonderful creators were coming up with into the people. And what's attractive? I don't mean magnetic and that sort of thing, but what's attractive in leadership? That person over there that everybody wants to work with and for, how do they do that? Uh, and can I teach that? And can we learn that? And of course, the answer is yes. And so... I made the jump into saying, how can I do that full time? How can I help people live and work on purpose instead of by accident? How can I help them work by design? A lot of people that I work with that are still in corporate America are like, God, they're time thieves everywhere. People are double booking me. It's as if they say you're not in charge anymore. When you let someone do that. And so these leaders who lead and look at their day on purpose, that doesn't happen to them because they block and they tackle and they know exactly what they're set out to accomplish in that day and nothing else can sneak in. But when your life, your entrepreneurial idea, whatever, when it's happening to you and not for you. So it was like really about putting people in the driver's seat of making those choices. Um, there's a quote from uh, Mary Oliver, which I love. It's kind of the shift from therapy to coaching really, which is tell me what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? She doesn't say, what is your dream? I, don't, I love dreams. That's just where it starts though. I come in where you say, what is your plan to start your business or to believe in yourself or to try this thing or to get that promotion or believe in whatever, what is that thing that you want? And let's put our plan together to make sure you have it one inspired action at a time. That is how I got from that to this into the work that I do now that has not felt like work for one day uh, for five years. I can imagine it feels very fulfilling right? You make a lot of impact in what you do and you get people into their peak performance. So tell us a little bit about that. Like, what does that mean? And Maureen, based on that, given that it's the title of your book, what are some of the mindset tools for entrepreneurs? <laughs> <laughs> um, the peak performance, it starts with us. It starts from caring less uh, what others' opinions are of us. And I don't mean not having EQ and reading the room, but I mean for us to be in the driver's seat of all of that. Um, and I think peak performance starts with a mindset, a winning mindset. You have a choice every day. We have a choice every day. You can spiral downward or upward. 
And there's certain people, let's just acknowledge this, certain people that are hardwired to notice what's wrong instead of what's right. I actually love those people. It's a superpower I don't have. They can go about the day noticing what needs fixing. I don't make great lawyers too. Great lawyers. Yes. Thank you for that. Yes, they do. Always looking Uh, at the risk. Yeah. My husband was an FBI agent and he noticed what's wrong. (laughs) Yeah. So they have these superpowers, but the peak performance mindset is one that regardless of your predominant style, you can choose. And that's to spiral upward. That is to have a performance statement and to show up no matter what, to be consistent. It is to practice positivity. And I don't mean being a cheerleader, two, four, six, eight, Lauren, Vicki, you're so great. I don't know what that means, but it is about, if you're going to notice what's wrong, I just want you to in equal measure, give some time to what's right. If you're going to beat yourself up, right? If you said five things I'm crummy at, I want, what are the five that you do? Want? What are your gifts? In equal measure, at least do that. It's when you think about your mindset, you can fill it with garbage. I mean, what happens in social media? I have a 13 year old daughter. I'm noticing what gets in and what it does. We're going to have some fixing to do. We're going to have some fixing to do. We're grownups. We should know better. Who are you spending your time with? Doctor knows people that say no and people that make you feel like garbage or people that lift you up. Because I think I've noticed this. We do become the average of the five people we hang around the most. No question about it. We start to adopt their language. It's even true in terms of our eating habits. If you go to a buffet, the people that that you're up in the line with, you will eat as much as they eat. I think it's the same thing with the mindset. Practicing gratitude. What if when you had that scary entrepreneurial idea, you said, I'm so grateful for this. I'm even grateful for the fear. I'm grateful for this thing that I'm going to go do, that I get to go do. So uh, I think mindset is the path to peak performance. And then you hold yourself accountable for those inspired actions. I like the performance statement. That's something I've never heard of before outside of athletic, outside of sort of a Mm. superstar, but like an average human being having a performance statement, how would you start to figure that what yours should be? Like, I want some ideas or some, yeah, what are some, yeah. Oh, start okay. With you want to play now. All right. I, I have, I have something. I don't mean to say this is easy. I would like for you to take some time to think about this, but what we're really talking about, let's set athletes aside for a moment is your personal narrative. What is the story of you? I'm in an elevator. Somebody says, tell me about you. I want you to have that statement, that thing that guides you. And all stories, all narratives happen in four parts. So the first part is what is your plot twist from who you were? And I'll give you an example in a second to who you want to be. What's that shift? You you talk about the transformation. So what I'm saying, it can be aspirational. You don't have to be there yet, but I want you to identify your plot twist. The second thing is identify your arch enemy. What is in the way? What are you up against? And I'll give the example for that in a second. So plot twist, arch enemy, the moral of the story. And we sometimes call this uh, like advice your mother gave you. It can be a quote or something, but what's the moral of your story? Could be a book you read when you were a kid, the little engine that could, the give, you know, whatever. And then the, the fourth part is what is the big idea? What is the plot of your story? So I'll give an example as it relates to myself, and then I'll share those again so you can all do that. Uh, And that is homework, because that sounds hard, home fun, (laughs) which is this. Um, My plot twist was the shift from mild-mannered Midwestern girl with a pulse 
to foul mouth New Yorker with a point of view. That is who I want to be. My arch enemy is fear. I can't have that in the front seat. I won't get any of the things that I want for me and for you if I let that drive. So my arch enemy is fear. The moral of the story is a quote from Anis Nin that resonates tremendously with me, which is life shrinks or expands in proportion to one's courage. Life gets big or small real fast when we choose fear or courage. And my big idea is go big or go home, right? I'll give an example. Uh, this was a few years ago, but we do these free uh, strong training and coaching. We do these free start off strong sessions where we want to give back and we want people to come in. And sometimes a lot of people will come. So the first time it was 100 and then it was 300. And then one of them, there were 700 people. And at the time, I'd never spoken to 700 people before. So I got all in my head. 700 people are judging me right now, waiting for me to fail. What the hell is that? So I reminded myself, what am I here to do? Go big or go home. I have a gift to give to people and I can't give it if I choose fear right now. So I'm not going to fight fear because it'll get too big. I'm going to acknowledge it and I'm going to do this as best I can, probably not perfectly, with the fear it might be hanging out right there. I still see it, but I'm going to do it anyway because I can't be who I am and I can't give my gift to you if I let that get in the way. So I go bigger, I go home and it takes a second it's not a whole story. It's not 20 years of therapy. It's my promise to myself that I made to show up a certain way, no matter what. What's that like to speak to a room that big? Yeah. What, what is that like? Because I'm sure lots of people listening have thought, maybe I want to be on a stage. Maybe I'll have a big presentation to give. Maybe I want to be a speaker. That fear is right there because it's the fear of the unexpected and the unknown is yeah. often worse than any other fear. So like, what's it like? Take us to that place yeah. where you've got a stage and 700 people looking at you. Oh so Lori, you're the first, this is the first podcast that's ever made me tear up. And I say that from a place of joy, not tears, but just, just, you took me to that place of what it feels like. And I want to share that. It is the experience of being right where we're supposed to be. And there's nothing more powerful. My mom, who is a therapist says the purpose of life is not to be pushing a cart uphill with your nose the whole time. It's to be in it riding. I'm in it riding. When I show up according to be go big or go home, I'm where I'm supposed to be. That's a feeling I think people need to feel. You need to get there. Yeah. It's worth it to keep pushing, taking the action as fearful as it can be and making the mistakes and having the failures and having the successes and just keep going to get to that feeling. Now you're making me emotional now because it's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> Can that I is just, peak. That's peak. That yes, is that's peak. peak. Just it's like the most in the moment feeling that you could have. It's the most in the moment feeling you could have. And I want more of us to have it. I want more of us to have it. So yeah, thank you. Thank you for that moment. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for sharing it. And thanks to everybody listening for hearing and, and hopefully going for their peak. So what's the best part of what you do? Like, what do you love most? Like what makes you go to bed at night, like that was an incredible day. Like what, it, what is it about being an entrepreneur or working in this business? Like what is it that's your big, most beautiful thing? Uh, it's the transformation that Vicki talked about up front, but it's the win-win. That's for someone else, which is great, but it's also for me because that transformation is deeply tied to my why and my entrepreneurial spirit and why I do what I do and why I'm in the cart riding. 
And whenever you can, especially with your own business and your own brand that you're building, look for the win-win, that's the sweet spot. That is being in the cart riding. And that is something that just lifts all ships and elevates the energy everywhere. Um, and that's the invitation that I, we all have for you. Thanks, Maureen. Um, I don't think we've identified it specifically, so we'll ask you what resilience means to you since this is your area of expertise. <laughs> um, we have at Strong Training and Coaching, I don't know, hundreds of different training modules, but my favorite one to bring to people is on professional resilience. And I think it comes in a few parts. Number one, get that you're not perfect. If that's your brief, you're going to be in a lot of pain and you will not be able to practice resilience. So I want you to really get this is how you can do that, by the way. Make a list of things you're good at, think contributions you're so happy you get to make. Make a list of things you want to get better at. That's it. Just start there. We're not hiding out anymore. We're just saying this is what I do well. This is what I'm working on. The resilience then comes from the story you tell about the mistakes that you're going to make, the failures, I wouldn't really use the F word, and the story you tell about them, and your performance statement or what that thing is for you that gets you back up again. Every athlete will say, I didn't learn. So I'm going to try to not make my language colorful. Um, Gina Shock from the Go-Go's. I don't know if anyone's brought up the Go-Go's to you in decades, but, but she said, I didn't learn shite, I'll call it, from my successes. Everything I am, everything I've learned, everything I've contributed is from my failures. And so it's that quote that's overused. We misattribute it, but I want to get it correctly here. Thomas Edison was um, interviewed by a reporter after he invented the light bulb. And they said, what did it feel like to fail so many times before you got that right? He said, oh, no. The light bulb was an invention with a thousand steps. Each one is we're just honing our craft. We're getting a little bit better. What if next time you fell and you made a mistake, you looked at it and you said, God, I'm so grateful for this learning. And that is resilience. That's it. I don't know how complicated it is. Uh, it's the meaning we give to it, the story we tell about it, so we can get back up again and slay for another day. It just... The failures help you figure out what's wrong or what's the not right thing so that you can get faster to the right thing. That's like, right. I love that mindset too. Like, let's just yeah. change it from like, yes, I figured out that's the wrong way to do it. Great. I know that's the wrong way. So now I can figure out the right ways right there. Yeah. And even celebrate it. Um, Sarah Blakely, the CEO of Spanx has oops nights, right? Oops meetings and uh, their F up nights across the globe in 300 locations. I think that's going to catch on like wildfire us experiencing the humanity of one another that nobody's perfect. We're just trying stuff. Tell, tell me more about that. This is the first time I've heard of this. Yeah. So check it out. So yeah. So the best leaders right now do oops meetings, regardless of what you call them. I used to run sessions called if I knew then what I know now and had the senior people get up and talk to the juniors about falling on their face and what they learned and why that's why they are a C-suite person now. But so Sarah Blakely has those oops meetings. God, I worked with another leader. I can't remember what he called him. So just be creative with it. What are you going to call your oops meetings? But there are just Google F up nights. It's actually called the F word. So sorry to offend. Uh, <laughs> F -up across the globe and people come in, business people come in, lawyers come in, doctors come in. And you say, oh, that didn't work. <laughs> what did you try? And it's to normalize our fallibility. And yeah. we started this conversation with the whole concept that as entrepreneurs, we're just trying stuff. And that's another great mindset. We're just trying it. Yeah. We have the, the freedom to do that. Yeah, I love that. I was just going to share if you want another way to add something to your performance statement or your um, big idea is to give it some music. <laughs> 
Mine is Shakira's Try Everything. So you might want to have a theme song for the work that you do as entrepreneurs as well. Music's powerful to you, eh? Yeah. There's this, uh, Tony Robbins talks about priming, but it's a way of priming us for that thing, especially if the thing is scary. And it does bring some emotion out. It, it pulls emotion out of us. It pours emotion into us. Music's mm-hmm. fabulous. Fabulous. Talking about fabulous, Maureen, you have been a fabulous guest on this uh, episode and we appreciate you and everything that you bring to the audience. And I'm certain that there's uh, great value in listening to this over and over and over again. (laughs) So thank you for your energy, your spirit and your generosity. Yeah, it's my pleasure. It's a reflection back on the two of you, Vicki and Laura. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And um, I wish you both the very best and all of your listeners. I've loved this time we've had together. Thank you. Thank you. Beautiful. Thanks for joining us on Resilient Entrepreneurs. We're Lauren Vicky from Two for One. We love supporting entrepreneurs, especially with mindset, marketing, and motivation, which is why we've built an incredible community of business founders who meet weekly in the Level Up League. If you'd like to know more about it, look us up at twoforonebranding.com.